Today is the 26th day of June. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. I am Brian. It's great to be here with you as we move through the center of the week, which I guess is why it's called Hump Day. We're getting over the hump and moving to the back half of the week. But no matter what part of the week we're in, we're always taking the next step forward through the scriptures. Uh, which will take us back into the book of 2 Kings. We're reading from the contemporary English version this week. 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 14 through 10, verse 31, today. King Joram of Israel had been badly wounded in the battle at Ramoth, trying to defend it against King Hazael and the Syrian army. Joram was now recovering in Jezreel, and King Ahaziah of Judah was there visiting him. Meanwhile, Jehu was in Ramoth making plans to kill Joram. He said to his officers, If you want me to be king, then don't let anyone leave this town. They might go to Jezreel and tell Joram. Then Jehu got in his chariot and rode to Jezreel. When the guard in the watchtower at Jezreel saw Jehu and his men riding up, he shouted to the king, I see a bunch of men coming this way. Joram ordered, Send someone out to ask them if this is a friendly visit. One of the soldiers rode out and said to Jehu, King Joram wants to know if this is a friendly visit. What's it to you? Jehu asked. Just stay behind me with the rest of my troops. About the same time, the guard in the watchtower said, Your Majesty, the rider got there, but he isn't coming back. So Joram sent out another rider who rode up to Jehu and said, The king wants to know if this is a friendly visit. What's it to you? Jehu asked. Just get behind me with the rest of my troops. The guard in the watchtower said, Your Majesty, the rider got there, but he isn't coming back either. Wait a minute. That one man is a reckless chariot driver. It must be Jehu. Joram commanded, Get my chariot ready. Then he and Ahaziah got in their chariots and rode out to meet Jehu. They all met on the land that belonged to Naboth. Joram asked, Jehu, is this a peaceful visit? How can there be peace? Jehu asked. Your mother, Jezebel, has caused everyone to worship idols and practice witchcraft. Isaiah, let's get out of here, Joram yelled. It's a trap. As Joram tried to escape, Jehu shot an arrow. It hit Joram between his shoulders, then it went through his heart and came out his chest. He fell over dead in his chariot. Jehu commanded his assistant, Bidkar, Get Joram's body and throw it in the field that Naboth once owned. Do you remember when you and I used to ride side by side behind Joram's father Ahab? It was then that the Lord swore to Ahab that he would be punished in the same field where he had killed Naboth and his sons. So throw Joram's body there just as the Lord said. Ahaziah saw all this happen and tried to escape to the town of Bethagen. But Jehu caught up with him and shouted, Kill him too. 
so his troops shot Ahaziah with an arrow while he was on the road to Gur, near Iblium. He went as far as Megiddo, where he died. Ahaziah's officers put his body in a chariot and took it back to Jerusalem, where they buried him beside his ancestors. Ahaziah had become king of Judah in the eleventh year of the rule of Ahab's son, Joram. Jehu headed toward Jezreel, and when Jezebel heard he was coming, she put on eyeshadow and brushed her hair. Then she stood at the window, waiting for him to arrive. As he walked through the city gate, she shouted down to him, Why did you come here, you murderer? To kill the king? You're no better than Zimri. He looked up toward the window and asked, Is anyone up there on my side? A few palace workers stuck their heads out of a window, and Jehu shouted, Throw her out the window. They threw her down, and her blood splattered on the walls and on the horses that trampled her body. Jehu left to get something to eat and drink. Then he told some workers, even though she was evil, she was a king's daughter, so make sure she has a proper burial. But when they went out to bury her body, they found only her skull, her hands, and her feet. They reported this to Jehu, and he said, The Lord told Elijah the prophet that Jezebel's body would be eaten by dogs right here in Jezreel. And he warned that her bones would be spread all over the ground like manure, so that no one could tell who it was. Ahab still had 70 descendants living in Samaria. So Jehu wrote a letter to each of the important leaders and officials of the town and to those who supported Ahab. In the letters, he wrote, Your town is strong, and you're protected by chariots and an armed cavalry, and I know that King Ahab's descendants live there with you. So as soon as you read this letter, choose the best person for the job and make him the next king. Then be prepared to defend Ahab's family. The officials and leaders read the letter and were very frightened. They said to each other, Jehu has already killed King Joram and King Ahaziah. We have to do what he says. The prime minister, the mayor of the city, as well as the other leaders and Ahab's supporters sent this answer to Jehu. We are your servants, your majesty, and we will do whatever you tell us. But it's not our place to choose someone to be king. You do what you think is best. Jehu then wrote another letter which said, If you are on my side and will obey me, then prove it. Bring me the heads of the descendants of Ahab and be here in Jezreel by this time tomorrow. The 70 descendants of King Ahab were living with some of the most important people of the city. And when these people read Jehu's second letter, they called together all 70 of Ahab's descendants. They killed them, put their heads in baskets and sent them to Jezreel. When Jehu was told what had happened, he said, Put the heads in two piles at the city gate and leave them there until morning. The next morning, Jehu went out and stood where everyone could hear him, 
And he said, You people are not guilty of anything. I'm the one who plotted against Joram and had him killed. But who killed all these men? Listen to me. Everything the Lord's servant Elijah promised about Ahab's family will come true. Then Jehu killed the rest of Ahab's relatives living in Jezreel, as well as his highest officials, his priests, and his closest friends. No one in Ahab's family was left alive in Jezreel. Jehu left for Samaria, and along the way he met some relatives of King Ahaziah of Judah at a place where shepherds meet. He asked, Who are you? We are relatives of Ahaziah, they answered. We're going to visit his family. Take them alive, Jehu said to his officers. So they grabbed them and led them to the well near the shepherds' meeting place, where they killed all forty-two of them. As Jehu went on, he saw Jehonadab, son of Rechab, coming to meet him. Jehu greeted him and then said, Jehonadab, I'm on your side. Are you on mine? Yes, I am. Then give me your hand, Jehu answered. He helped Jehonadab into his chariot and said, Come with me and see how faithful I am to the Lord. They rode together in Jehu's chariot to Samaria. Jehu killed everyone there who belonged to Ahab's family, as well as all of his officials. Everyone in his family was now dead, just as the Lord had promised Elijah. Jehu called together the people in Samaria and said, King Ahab sometimes worshipped Baal, but I will be completely faithful to Baal. I'm going to offer a huge sacrifice to him. So invite his prophets and priests and be sure everyone who worships him is there. Anyone who doesn't come will be killed. But this was a trick. Jehu was really planning to kill the worshipers of Baal. He said, Announce a day of worship for Baal. After the day had been announced, Jehu sent an invitation to everyone in Israel. All the worshipers of Baal came, and the temple was filled from one end to the other. Jehu told the official in charge of the sacred robes to make sure that everyone had a robe to wear. Jehu and Jehonadab went into the temple, and Jehu said to the crowd, Look around and make sure that only the worshipers of Baal are here. No one who worships the Lord is allowed in. And they began to offer sacrifices to Baal. Earlier, Jehu had ordered 80 soldiers to wait outside the temple. He had warned them, I will get all these worshipers here, and if any of you let even one of them escape, you will be killed instead. As soon as Jehu finished offering the sacrifice, he told the guards and soldiers, Come in and kill them. Don't let anyone escape. They slaughtered everyone in the crowd and threw the bodies outside. Then they went back into the temple and carried out the image of Baal. They burned it and broke it into pieces. Then they completely destroyed Baal's temple. And since that time, it's been nothing but a public toilet. 
That's how Jehu stopped the worship of Baal in Israel. But he did not stop the worship of the gold statues of calves at Dan and Bethel that Jeroboam had made for the people to worship. Later, the Lord said, Jehu, you have done right by destroying Ahab's entire family, just as I had planned. So I will make sure that the next four kings of Israel will come from your own family. But Jehu did not completely obey the commands of the Lord, God of Israel. Instead, he kept doing the sinful things that Jeroboam had caused the Israelites to do. Acts 17 After Paul and his friends had traveled through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they went on to Thessalonica. A Jewish meeting place was in that city. So, as usual, Paul went there to worship, and on three Sabbaths he spoke to the people. He used the scriptures to show them that the Messiah had to suffer, but that he would rise from death. Paul also told them that Jesus is the Messiah he was preaching about. Some of them believed what Paul had said, and they became followers with Paul and Silas. Some Gentiles and many important women also believed the message. The Jewish leaders were jealous and got some worthless bums who hung around the marketplace to start a riot in the city. They wanted to drag Paul and Silas out to the mob, and so they went straight to Jason's home. But when they did not find them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the Lord's followers. They took them to the city authorities and shouted, Paul and Silas have been upsetting things everywhere. Now they have come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his home. All of them break the laws of the Roman emperor by claiming that someone named Jesus is king. The officials and the people were upset when they heard this. So they made Jason and the other followers pay bail before letting them go. That same night, the Lord's followers sent Paul and Silas on to Berea, and after they arrived, they went to the Jewish meeting place. The people in Berea were much nicer than those in Thessalonica, and they gladly accepted the message. Day after day, they studied the scriptures to see if these things were true. Many of them put their faith in the Lord, including some important Greek women and several men. When the Jewish leaders in Thessalonica heard that Paul had been preaching God's message in Berea, they went there and caused trouble by turning the crowds against Paul. Right away, the followers sent Paul down to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed in Berea. Some men went with Paul as far as Athens and then returned with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. While Paul was waiting in Athens, he was upset to see all the idols in the city. He went to the Jewish meeting place to speak to the Jews and to anyone who worshipped with them. Day after day, he also spoke to everyone he met in the market. Some of them were Epicureans and some were Stoics, and they started arguing with him. People were asking, what is this know-it-all trying to say? Some even said, Paul must be preaching about foreign gods. 
That's what he means when he talks about Jesus and about people rising from death. They brought Paul before a council called the Areopagus and said, Tell us what your new teaching is all about. We have heard you say some strange things and we want to know what you mean. More than anything else, the people of Athens and the foreigners living there loved to hear and to talk about anything new. So Paul stood up in front of the council and said, People of Athens, I see that you are very religious. As I was going through your city and looking at the things you worship, I found an altar with the words, To an unknown God. You worship this God, but you don't really know him. So I want to tell you about him. This God made the world and everything in it. He is Lord of heaven and earth, and he doesn't live in temples built by human hands. He doesn't need help from anyone. He gives life, breath, and everything else to all people. From one person, God made all nations who live on earth, and he decided when and where every nation would be. God has done all this so that we will look for him and reach out and find him. He isn't far from any of us. And he gives us the power to live, to move, and to be who we are. We are his children, just as some of your poets have said. Since we are God's children, we must not think that he is like an idol made out of gold or silver or stone. He isn't like anything that humans have thought up and made. In the past, God forgave all this because people did not know what they were doing. But now he says that everyone everywhere must turn to him. He has set a day when he will judge the world's people with fairness. And he has chosen the man, Jesus, to do the judging for him. God has given proof of this to all of us by raising Jesus from death. As soon as the people heard Paul say that a man had been raised from death, some of them started laughing. Others said, we will hear you talk about this some other time. When Paul left the council meeting, some of the men put their faith in the Lord and went with Paul. One of them was a council member named Dionysius. A woman named Damaris and several others also put their faith in the Lord. Psalm 144 By David A Prayer for the Nation I praise you, Lord. You are my mighty rock, and you teach me how to fight my battles. You are my friend, and you are my fortress where I am safe. You are my shield, and you made me the ruler of our people. Why do humans mean anything to you, our Lord? Why do you care about us? We disappear like a breath. We last no longer than a faint shadow. 
Open the heavens like a curtain and come down, Lord. Touch the mountains and make them send up smoke. Use your lightning as arrows to scatter my enemies and make them run away. Reach down from heaven and set me free. Save me from the mighty flood of those lying foreigners who can't tell the truth. In praise of you, our God, I will sing a new song while playing my harp. By your power, kings win wars, and your servant David is saved from deadly swords. Won't you keep me safe from those lying foreigners who can't tell the truth? Let's pray that our young sons will grow like strong plants and that our daughters will be as lovely as columns in the corner of a palace. May our barns be filled with all kinds of crops. May our fields be covered with sheep by the thousands and every cow have calves. Don't let our city be captured or any of us be taken away and don't let cries of sorrow be heard in our streets. Our Lord and our God, you give these blessings to all who worship you. Proverbs 17, 27 and 28. It makes a lot of sense to be a person of few words and to stay calm. Even fools seem smart when they are quiet. All right, so in the book of Acts, we're continuing uh, along with Paul on his second missionary journey. And we should note the way that Paul adapts what he's saying to who he's saying it to. So in Thessalonica, Paul's in the synagogue, he's opening the scriptures, and he's explaining how Jesus is a part of the Jewish story and a part of the Jewish heritage. Uh, and so many come to faith in Jesus, but then others are uh, against him because they're envious or jealous, and angry mob kicks Paul and Silas out of town. So they go to Berea, Paul's in the synagogue again. The Bereans are diligently searching the scriptures, and so Paul's right there to interpret. Many come to faith. How many get jealous? <laughs> They're out of town again. So then Paul's in Athens, where uh, spirituality is very diverse, but very open. And he's talking about the unknown God. Uh, because because they, they worship many, many gods, including any unknown God that they may not have known about. And Paul offers to them a very concise, very simple uh, explanation of how he sees the gospel. And so let's look at that again. Let's listen to what Paul says as if we're in Athens and we, we don't have any of the background of the Bible. We don't know other than just sensing that there's a God out there. This is how Paul explains it to a person who worships an unknown God. The thing is, we'll all agree with it. We're reading it out of the Bible. But consider, do you functionally believe this? Do you live as if this were the truth? So Paul says, uh, I want to tell you 
about this God that you're worshiping that you don't know. This God made the world and everything in it. He's the Lord of heaven and earth. And he doesn't live in temples built by human hands. He doesn't need help from anyone. He gives life, breath, and everything else to all people. From one person, God made all nations who live on the earth, and he decided when and where every nation would be. God has done all this so that we will look for him and reach out and find him. He isn't far from any of us, and he gives us the power to live, to move, and to be who we are. We are his children, just as some of your poets have said. Since we are God's children, we must not think that he's like an idol made out of gold or silver or stone. He isn't like anything that humans have thought up and made. In the past, God forgave all this because people did not know what they were doing. But now he says that everyone everywhere must turn to him. He has set a day when he will judge the world's people with fairness. And he has chosen the man Jesus to do the judging for him. God has given proof of this to all of us by raising Jesus from death. So there you go. We should find great comfort in that, great encouragement in that, but also put ourselves in the position of somebody who's never heard this before uh, so that we understand the kinds of people that Paul is trying to reach. And we should also notice that Paul adapts the way that he interacts with people based on who it is that he's trying to talk to, which doesn't mean he's trying to change his message. It means he's trying to enter a person's story from where they're coming from instead of trying to force feed where he's coming from. A pretty invaluable lesson for us in this day and age. And so, Father, we thank you for this simple, concise truth of the gospel from the Apostle Paul here in the book of Acts. Uh, it, It reminds us of the fact that we are your children. We also acknowledge the fact that we don't know all that we think that we do. And a posture of humility and entering into each other's stories is the way of your kingdom. Come Holy Spirit, we pray and we ask in Jesus' name expectantly as we surrender, as we allow you to have space and access to our hearts and our day and our actions. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. DailyAudioBible.com is the website. It's on base. It's where you find out what's going on around here, and there's stuff going on around here. Uh, Coming up in less than two weeks, the 7th of July... Uh, is our annual daily audio Bible long walk. It's happening on a Sunday this year, so we, uh, that kind of makes it easier. But we do this every July 7th. It's a day to give ourselves permission to say, look, I'm in the middle of the year. 
I have journeyed halfway through this year and come to this point with the rhythm of the scriptures uh, being in my life. And, and by now we can see what the Bible does as we put it in our lives every day. So it's a day to regroup and go for a long walk with the God of the Bible who is revealing himself to us through the scriptures. Yeah, just to spend the day saying all of the things that there aren't time to say. Like we're just too overcommitted, too out of balance. We're running too hard. Uh, so we take this one day and go for a long walk, go somewhere beautiful, whether near or far, and go for a long walk and say everything that needs to be said and to allow space uh, because the Lord has some things he's been wanting to say but we're just too busy to listen. So what if we took a day and gave it to listening and just spending time with God and appreciating that life is happening all around us and we're ignoring it. So that's the 7th of July. And yeah, it's a very individual thing, but it's also a very communal thing that we're, we're doing as a community all over the world. And you just uh, take your phone. You probably have your phone or something with you anyway. Snap a picture of wherever it is you go or take a little video of wherever it is you go and post it up to uh, our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash daily audio Bible. And uh, then we'll post them up and the, they become these beautiful little um, moments that we get to share with each other, little windows into uh, each other's lives and where it is that we are on the planet and where it is that's beautiful where we are. And we get this uh, wonderful picture of God's beauty all over the world uh, on one day. So make plans for that the 7th of July. If you want to partner with the Daily Audio Bible as we uh, navigate the summer months, then thank you profoundly uh, for your partnership. There's a link on the homepage at dailyaudiobible.com. If you're using the app, you can press the Give button in the upper right-hand corner. Or if you prefer, the mailing address is P.O. Box 1996, Spring Hill, Tennessee, 37174. And as always, if you have a prayer request or comment, 877-942-4253 is the number to dial. And that's it for today. I'm Brian. I love you. And I'll be waiting for you here. Tomorrow. Hello, this is Christy in Korea. Uh, I am a first-time caller, and I have been listening since January, but I am quite a ways behind. I'm actually 10 weeks behind when you were at the Moore Conference, because on... That Saturday, I was giving birth to my first child, so um, I just wanted to share that God is really awesome, and I know there's a lot of women and, and men out there struggling with fertility, and um, my husband and I were able to get fertility treatment, and now we have a beautiful, healthy boy um, after a loss last year, and God just, God is amazing, and I know he is a baby of promise, and I just wanted to put him for that. And 
Uh, also, I heard there was another listener from Korea. You're not alone. There's another listener here. And uh, I just want to say hi. And I try to pray, not, I don't pray for everyone, but I do pray for some people. And I want you to know that even though I can't remember who you are, that I do try to pray for you and that you are being prayed for across the world. And uh, please pray for my husband because he is kind of, I don't know, agnostic. And I see God making movements and I would just like to see him making more movements. And thank you for everything you do. And I'm gonna try to catch up. Thank you. Hey, family, this is Viola from Maryland. I hope you're all doing well. Brandon, God bless you. Family, I want to encourage you to give to Daily Audio Bible. As Brian always says, this is these are the summer months, and things slow down during the summer months. So give, and God will bless you. Okay, Doug from Alabama, I'm praying for healing from, for you, brother, in the name of Jesus. The word of God says in Philippians 4, 6, that you should not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Make your request known to God. And so pray, brother, as people pray for you, you also pray. And I pray that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will flood your heart and mind. And God will give you wisdom on how to take care of the bedrock situation. God bless you, my brother. I'm brothering from Louisiana. I'm praying for little baby Willow. Oh, my goodness. God is such a powerful God. I pray that God will touch this baby and heal her body. You will call back with great testimonies in the name of Jesus. Father, Lord of heaven, I pray that you will arise with healing in your wings over Little Willow, in the name of Jesus. I call a child advocate and pray for favor for your daughter-in-law that she will get that visa. You know, God has a heart for families. I pray that God will give her favor and she'll be reconciled. She'll be able to be with your son, a hobby, Tyler, in the name of Jesus. Rob from Canada, I am praying for Jamie, your son. I know how disheartening that can be. Lord of heaven, I pray that you will touch Jamie, oh God, Lord. Father, you that made the cancer go away in the first place, I pray that that cancer will be a pain of the past in the name of Jesus. That every cancerous cell in that body will die in the name of Jesus. Because the, the word of God says that by the stripes of God, by, by the stripes of Jesus Christ, Jamie has been healed. I'm praying for you, real estate agent, my sister. I pray that God will flood your business with clients in the name of Jesus. And lastly, Ben from um, London, I'm praying for your daughter and fellow kids that they will do well in their A-level. God bless you. Hi, Dabbers. This is Christchurch, New Zealand calling. I really need your, your prayers for my brother. He is a good man, but in a failed relationship with an erratic woman who is has turned his two daughters against him. There's, this has been going on for 16 years, um, but severe in the last two, and I feel that it's going to break him. He's strong, fit, hardworking, self-employed, and continually gives to their demands to the point of him living rough and going without. He wants to see his girls. Um, and there's always a reason why he can't. If, even if he makes a date, um, they find a reason to go out and so he doesn't see them. He thinks about walking away, but it's not in him. I actually don't know how he, he can still go on because he doesn't know the Lord. So I'm asking my dabbers if they could break every curse off his life and pray for the peace of the mind, of his mind and, and from the pressure that he gets from the demands and his continuing having to find work. He has a lot of money to find each week to support the family. And um, 
and that there'll be a breakthrough for his family somehow that they'd just be kind to him they'd be easier on him he's positive and he's always for them so would you pray with me please thank you Hey, God bless you. This is Matthew Fouch. I'm calling from Interstate 10 in Mobile, Alabama. God bless you from the south, all over the world. The Lord has a word. His word is truth. And His word tells us that we must look past our present problems to see the face of Jesus. You must set aside the problems that you face every day and look for the face of Jesus. Jesus is greater than our problem. Jesus is the Lord. He is high and lifted up. And we're all facing something today. We're all facing a giant. We're all facing challenges. His word says to rejoice. So we rejoice through the trials. We rejoice We rejoice through the tribulations. And we say that Jesus is Lord. We yield to the Father. We yield to the voice of the Father, and we say, Father, here we are. Send us. Father, we're here to do your will. We believe in your Son, Jesus. We are covered by the blood, and you are greater than any problem we shall face. Father, we thank you, we love you, and we love each other in the name of Jesus. God bless you all.